The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. And now I'm going to turn it over to some of our deacons to share the scripture lesson for the day, Jonah chapter three, verse one, through chapter four, verse five. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed nor shall they drink water. Humans, be, human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. To God. Jonah is one of those stories that has stood the test of time, speaking anew to generation after generation, appealing to children of all ages as the best stories do. It never fails to entertain and never fails to defy simplistic interpretation. It's a story we can listen to again and again. Jesus knew this story. 
During his earthly ministry, Jesus mentions only four prophets, and Jonah is one of them. I love imagining Jesus as a child, hearing the story of Jonah being swallowed by a big fish and delighting in it, just like I did when I was a child. And then continuing to ponder the story as an adult, just like we do today. What does Jonah have to say to us today? On one level, the story is not subtle. It makes its points through exaggerated, humorous sight gags and people and animals behaving wildly counter to expectations. It is blatantly obvious that the only creature in the entire tale to disobey God in any way is Jonah the one person who claims to be God's faithful follower. He is the most unwilling prophet God could possibly have found. He is also, paradoxically, the most efficient and effective prophet in the entire Bible. His one prophecy, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown, which in Hebrew is only five words long, gets instantaneous you might say, miraculous results. Not only that, every person that Jonah talks to, from the ship captain and sailors to the Ninevites and their king, become immediate, devout converts to Jonah's God. When they hear Jonah's prophecy that Nineveh will be overthrown in 40 days, the wicked Ninevites and all their animals, herds and flocks alike, cover themselves with sackcloth and ashes and fast. They cry out to God that they repent of their wrongdoing. They promise they will turn from their evil ways and will no longer engage in the violence for which they were well known. And then they throw themselves on God's mercy. God is pleased and grants them mercy. Jonah is displaced. He saw how this would play out when he was way back in Israel. He knows that the God he worships is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He was not just afraid, he was certain that God's mercy and love would extend even to these despised enemies of Israel. He knew that despite all the crimes against humanity that made God threaten to destroy them in the first place, that God would grant these people an opportunity to repent. And if they did, God would change God's mind and not destroy them. And that is exactly what happened. Jonah makes his own plea to God. Oh Lord, please Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah would rather die than bear witness to the wideness of God's mercy. But when God says, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah wonders if he's been too hasty in judging God. Perhaps God is just waiting for 40 days to pass before destroying Nineveh. Jonah leaves the city, finds a place with a good view, and settles down, waiting to see what becomes of the city. He is hoping for fireworks. 
He wants this city crushed. He wants the inhabitants dead. He's such a sad character, sitting there, waiting, with only his bitterness, his desire for retribution to keep him company. And God provides a bush that grows rapidly, providing shade for Jonah's comfort. For the first and only time in the story, Jonah is happy. But then God sends a worm to attack the bush, which withers and dies, leaving Jonah exposed to the sun and wind. The loss of the bush distresses him so much that yet again Jonah pleads, it is better for me to die than to live. God asks, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's how the story ends, with God asking that question and waiting for Jonah to answer. For all the texture in this story provided by Jonah's travels on his roundabout journey from Israel to Nineveh, his adventures at sea, the various people and creatures he meets, the story is ultimately about two characters, Jonah and God. Let's take a closer look. Jonah is a loner. Even when he's around other people who want him to join them, like the sailors on the ship, he isolates himself. He doesn't seem to get much joy out of life, and he thinks and talks a lot about death. He wishes death on the Ninevites, repentant or not, he doesn't care. He is stingy with mercy, stingy with love. He doesn't seem to have any of his own to give, and he doesn't want God sharing either. When God does show love and compassion to people who, in Jonah's mind, don't deserve it, he asks for death, apparently finding it intolerable to live in a world with so much grace. Jonah may be furious with God, but it's hard for the reader to be. For us, it's reassuring to hear that God is paying attention to what's going on here on earth that God sees the evil that people do, the cruelty, dishonesty, greed, and injustice, and God wants it to stop. God doesn't send Jonah to Nineveh to evangelize. He sends Jonah to condemn injustice, oppression, and violence. God's goal in this, as in all prophecy, all dire threats of judgment on evil ways, is to bring about repentance, change of heart, change of behavior, change in appreciation for the value of life. And Jonah's prophecy works. When the Ninevites fear that their destruction is nigh, they realize how very much they want to live, 
how very much they're willing to change. God does not want to destroy the Ninevites. And God doesn't want to destroy Jonah either. This story tells us that the same God who made heaven and earth, sea and sky, who commands big fish and small worms and sun and moon and wind and rain, who cares about all living creatures in the vast city of Nineveh, the same God is willing to hunker down next to one angry, recalcitrant, lonely, depressed prophet and bump shoulders as if to say, come on, Jonah, let's talk about this. Is it right for you to be angry? They're my children in the same way you are. Shouldn't I care about them as I care about you? I suspect that if we look into our hearts, we're all likely to find some Jonah there. It's not uncommon to get to a place where we think those terrible people deserve to have something awful happen to them. They should pay for what they've done. It's also not uncommon when we see people apparently getting away with unjust, cruel behavior to want God to intervene, judge, and punish. Yes, we're supposed to love our enemies, but when I think about the Assyrians' reputation for cruelty, which Jonah's people experienced, I understand why Jonah found it very difficult to see them as other children of God. But what struck me most in reading Jonah this time around was how depressed he seems. Last week, psychologist Dr. Dan Hale led a program for the church about his recent book, Depression, Out of the Darkness and Into the Light, in which he shares his story about treating depression as a clinician, living with depression himself, and grieving a daughter who died from depression. It has become a mission for him to talk about depression and about how to recognize signs and symptoms in oneself or in others. Symptoms like appetite changes, sleep disturbances, exhaustion, poor concentration, loss of ability to enjoy things that were enjoyable before, self-loathing, feeling worthless, thinking about death. Now granted, there's a lot going on with Jonah, and I am not saying that depression is his only issue, but he has some of these symptoms. Sleeping through a raging storm that keeps everyone else awake, not seeming to take pleasure in anything, thinking repeatedly that it would be better for him to die than to live. During this time of COVID, the number of people struggling with depression has spiked, particularly people who are isolated or overwhelmed by taking care of another person all by themselves. Unfortunately, stigma continues to get in the way of people seeking treatment, but there is good news. Our cultural awareness is changing as we recognize that depression 
just like diabetes, is a treatable illness. People with diabetes take insulin. For people with depression, the most effective treatment is a combination of medication and therapy, which works. There's something else that helps too. When people who had come out of a period of deep depression were asked what, in addition to treatment, helped them recover, they said the things that helped most were hearing words like these. I love you. I care about you. I want to help. I'm here for you. I'm going to keep checking in on you. You matter to me. There is hope. I will hope for you. I love you. Knowing that someone is paying attention, that someone cares and hopes and loves can be life-changing, life-giving, life-saving. I think that's what saved the people of Nineveh. Jonah, in spite of himself, somehow managed to let them know about a loving, merciful God who was paying attention to them, who cared about them, who loved them. And though this story is open-ended, leaving us with a question about how Jonah will respond, I find great comfort in the image of God staying by Jonah's side, paying attention, talking about God's love for the world, for cities, for people, for animals, and letting him know through presence and words that God loves Jonah too. Friends, life is short and we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those who make this earthly pilgrimage with us. So be swift to love and make haste to do kindness and the blessings of God Almighty, the Father who creates, the Son who redeems, the Holy Spirit who stirs the heart and soul be upon you this day and remain with you always. Amen.